brothers and sisters, welcome back to the XX Mormon Podcast. I'm Elder Jackson, and today we are being presided over by the illustrious, glorious, beautiful, excellent, and in all power and might, Heavenly Mother herself guiding us through these dark days. Heavenly Mother, thank you for blessing us with your spirit today. Thanks. I think you gassed me up because I'm sick. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel any of those no, don't, words. Don't admit I'm... it to the people. They're, they can't they're... know that you're not immortal. <laughs> That's true. Never mind. I'm not sick. I just changed my voice because I'm also shape-shifting. All-powerful, <laughs> almighty. And of course, we are joined once again by Elder Sister, my mission companion. Welcome. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, Elder Sister, Elder Jackson. Well, welcome back to the show, Elder Sister. What do you, what do you got for us today? Um, yeah, so I, I kind of went down a rabbit hole of Mormon statistics the other day. I was avoiding doing some work, so um, I just kind of put together a, a list of random stuff on a note page, and yeah, we can kind of go through it if you guys want to. Yes, we want to. I want to hear first, though. How, how you got into this rabbit hole? Like, what was the inciting incident for finding all these stats? <laughs> um, I was curious about, so one of the statistics that we'll talk about later um, is that Utah is the worst state in the country for women's equality. Mm. And so I saw like a post about that and I was like, hmm, I wonder what else Utah sucks at. And so I kind of like went down a rabbit hole. I do want to say I love Utah. I've lived in it in Utah my whole life. So I love Utah, but there are a lot of things and then got me thinking how much does Mormonism kind of tie into all of these issues and then went down the rabbit hole of trying to find Mormon statistics and yeah so here we are <laughs> perfect yeah Utah like I I like Utah as well lots of family and friends down there people I love to visit but this is kind of interesting to me like you mentioned that Utah is the worst state for women's equality which is interesting because you always hear about how women in Utah got the vote before everybody else, you know, and, and I know yeah. like that has its own crazy history. So why don't you tell us about modern women's equality or <laughs> inequality in Utah? Yeah. So <laughs> um, it's been a five year uh, streak that we have. Um, so for the last five years, Utah has been rated worst state in the country. Um some sub statistics that I found was that women earn 25.5% less than men. Wow. So uh, quite a bit. Um, men own 60, just over 60% of all businesses and women own about 15.5% of all businesses. So huge gap there. Yeah. And then another one was that 10.6% um, of non elderly women live on or below the poverty line compared to 8.3% of non elderly men. So that one's a little bit closer, but mm -hmm. um, I found all that in a desert news article and I just thought it was, it was fascinating. Yeah. And yeah, definitely I can see how it ties into the church. It didn't, of course, didn't explicitly say anything about the church in that, but. Right. Yeah. Right. But the misogyny is real. And oh, yeah. I also, I also think it's wild that like 10% of any population lives below the poverty line, right? Like that's yeah. one in 10 people, like that's somebody yeah. you probably know easily, right? Mm -hmm. You think about all oh, the yeah. people you know and take 10 of those and, you know, well, you're below the poverty line. Wow. Yeah. It's scary. It's crazy. The male-owned businesses 
that's freaky to me. That's 60%. That's like, that's a concern. Yeah. So like when you're, <laughs> I mean, stating this to be obvious, when you're a woman and you work in a male dominated business, like you're on edge at all times because mm -hmm. sexual harassment is such a prevalent problem as well as like, not even a harassment piece, but just being undercut, your ideas being stolen, being talked over, being condescended to. It's like a pretty consistent stream in the church as a member of the church. Mm -hmm. So I'm only going to assume and imagine that a lot of male-owned businesses in Utah, ooh, which reminds me of a fun little story I've sort of already shared a little bit. Um, but I have a little bird told me it's a friend and they're not a member. Um, they worked for an LDS man and he was super awkward around women that he found attractive. Hmm. And it was like kind of embarrassing because of his age, you know, it's like a middle-aged man. And he's just like, Oh, awkward. I don't know. I'm pretty lady. <laughs> like really, really weird. And I really thought about it and I psychoanalyzed it because I knew a lot of Mormon men that were the same way. And I realized it's because of the objectification of women. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When they're young, they only see women in, in two ways is like future wifey trash. And so if they think a woman's attractive, they're like future wifey. But then they get a wife and they settle down and they don't know how to get out of that mental trap. Mm -hmm. And they're never mind, I'm gonna stop there because I want to roast other ex-Mormons because sometimes not on this podcast, but you know, elsewhere on the interwebs. There are some male ex-Mormons who are older, who I feel some of that vibe a little bit where I'm like, get a hold of yourself. Do you know mm -hmm. what? This is like speaking, speaking as a man. Um, <laughs> this is very like this is so accurate because in the church, you grow up. I remember being told, oh, never be alone in the vehicle with another woman right with another man's wife because some, <laughs> something's gonna happen right we all know we all know men and women only hang out to make babies that's the truth that's the truth i don't know what to tell you guys that's like the way god made us like maybe heavenly mother could take it up with her man but like this is this is the truth this is this is the fact of the matter like that's how that's how i was raised and even i don't know if i've shared this on the podcast lately but I was with one of my high school friends and uh, we were we were chatting and she needed to go to the uh, train station to pick up her husband. And she's like, oh, why don't you come with me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And then as we're driving, she's like, oh, oh, my goodness. She says, I, I always said that when I got married, I'd never be in the vehicle alone with another man. And I'm, I'm like, oh, well, you know, we've been friends for, you know, 11, 12 years, right? I, you know, I, I'm sure we're fine. And she, she, she's like, yeah, you're right. It's just weird. Maybe you're just an exception to the rule. And I'm like, what, why are you talking about that? Like, what is, what is this? And then the best part was her husband gets into the car. He gets in, into the truck. And she's like, yeah, I was just telling Elder Jackson about how, like, oh, I said I'd never be in the vehicle with another man. And her husband's like, well, you know, 
what whatever alex is your friend like he didn't care he didn't care at at all um so i guess he he skipped that uh, part of the indoctrination but yeah it was like this weird weird big deal made out of nothing and and talking about like women are either wifey material or they're trash that's true too like it's and you see, uh, you see Mormons have a hard time making friends with people of the opposite sex or gender identity, all the time, all the time because they think they think they can't, or they'll like the husband will always text the husband, or the wife will always text the wife instead of just being like, who who am I talking to, right? Like, who do mm-hmm. I get along best with, or who's going to be best to make these plans, right? Yeah. That's my yeah. that's my testimony of of the truthfulness of what you said, Heavenly Mother. Yeah, I I mean, amen to all of that. I was thinking um, there was also a statistic in this article that I read that said that women are way less likely to become like executives of businesses mm-hmm. and stuff as well. Um, and I was thinking about like no shit. Like I grew up like in young women's, we would write like what our five year plan was or our ten year plan. And everyone in my class wrote, Oh, I'm gonna like I'm gonna get married to this return missionary and I'm gonna maybe go to college at BYU so I can find my my eternal companion and then we're gonna have ten kids right away and and I was always the one who was like, I'm going to like go to college. I'm going to have a career. I'm going to live on my own for a while and maybe get married. Like that was, I was always kind of like excluded from the group because I had like goals for myself and not that they didn't have goals for themselves, but it was all controlled by the church and what the church wanted them to have. And so like, I, I look at all of those girls that I grew up with and most of them have achieved those goals. They're married, they have kids, they're, you know, they don't have to work, which is, they love it and it's great for them, but they became exactly, you know, what the church wanted them to. And so of course they're not going to go own a business. Of course they're not going to go be an executive of a business because they've been told their whole lives that their main place is to be a mom and a wife. And so not that that's bad, but it's just, it's, this is the only thing you can become. No wonder they're not, you know, feeling like they can do these things. And yeah, yeah. why men do most of it. Yeah. How did that, uh, like, how, how did you kind of having that difference in attitude affect your, your place in the group? Like, did you feel different? Did you feel like, uh, like you were doing something wrong in some way at all? Yeah, I remember the first time we did this exercise, I was so shocked at everyone's answers. They were they were all the same and mine was the only one that was different, which was super weird because I grew up my dad was a bishop, a state president and and my mom was the young women's president and all these things and so, you know, you'd think I'd have this perfect view of Mormonism and this like life planned out for me. And so when I said this, I think it kind of took everyone by surprise and was like, oh, she wants to have a career. Okay. Um, And so I kind of learned to adapt after that. We would do this. I'd say we'd do this probably once a year. Um, And so I would put, you know, at the top of my list, be a mom. And then I'd put all my other goals, Mm -hmm. but then it would kind of like ease the tension a little bit. Yeah. 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 You kind of conform a little bit, right? Yeah. Like you're like, well, well, I do like I do want to be a mom, and I do want to do this, and mm-hmm. you know, I do want to do all those things. I just 
think it might be interesting. And then, oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't, you can't have other interests. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, crazy. Preach. I remember playing with my poly dolls because I love to play pretend and play with dolls. <laughs> and we, um, me and my sister would play together, and we had like poly pocket weddings. And I remember when I would pick the age of like my Polly Pocket to get married. Homegirl was always like 27, 28 years old. And like my little Mormon friends would be like, that's so old. I'm like, is it though? Is that <laughs> like crazy? Little dolls. And like I ended up getting married at that age. But it's just, yeah, we had the similar things in our young women's. The most like absurd, which I think was like a wake up call for like my mom to be like, I need to leave this church at some point in my life. Was we had a wedding night in young women's. And we went and tried on modest wedding dresses from a, she was from Utah and she had, she did it out of her car and then she had a tiny little location, but her location is on a very busy street in Fresno that like rent is really high. So like your business probably won't make it. Um, businesses are always changing out on this main street because it's, um, it's just so expensive to rent there. Any whoosies. So she only had like modest wedding dresses because that was her clientele was like Muslim and Mormon women mostly mormon though um because that's where she's from utah so like you know she's right. fit in the vibe and i remember i was like a teenager and i was like for her wedding dresses she only had one my size every any woman listening is gonna laugh but just think about how the horrors of the early 2000s mm -hmm. so i was like too big for these dresses i was a size 12 <laughs> I was five foot five and a size twelve at like sixteen, but I was like, "Oh man, there's all these. Um, I'm just so big, hilarious." Anyways, back to the task at hand. That's my little future planning. The church pushes on you turned into a body shaming sad story, but it's hilarious. Also, the dress that she had in my size was ugly as hell, and I'm so <laughs> glad that I didn't wear one of those dresses for my wedding. Do you know what? The, like, isn't that crazy to just? As an activity. Hey, girls, you know what we're going to do tonight? We're going to go try on wedding dresses and talk about your future husbands. That's just, that's crazy. That's just like, that's so weird. Like, why? The girls were 12. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why? Why? Like, that, Prime. that is yeah. so messed up. <laughs> so we did the same thing. And I legit have a picture of myself as a 13-year-old in a wedding dress. Like, how <laughs> creepy is that? Like, cult maximum yeah. right there. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. That, that's crazy. That's why when, when people say, oh, it's not a cult, I'm like, okay. Okay, but, like, it is. It, like, it is. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know how to say it any other way. You can say high-demand religion, I guess. But... If you're a 12-year-old trying on wedding dresses with a bunch of other 12-year-olds and being told about your future husband and how you have to prepare for him and keep yourself clean for him, and then you go through the temple, like, okay, members who go through the temple and then still say that it's not a cult, I'm like, what? C come on. Come on, man. If you saw any other organization do that, you'd be like, Wow, those people fell for it hard. Oh, I never fall for something so ridiculous. Of course, like that quote, "Lie to God, don't lie to me." Yeah. <laughs> they say it. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. It's totally clear my throat. Sorry. Totally crazy. Nice. Good job clearing your throat, Heavenly Mother. 
great work great great work um elder sister what what do you have uh what else do you have for us um let's see all none of these are in order by the way so we might be jumping around um that's okay this is the xx mormon podcast famously not professional (laughs) that should be your guys's tagline that'd be really good (laughs) um okay so i found um another article um I don't know how well these two will go together, but um, Utah has the lowest separation and divorce rate, um, and Utah has the highest volunteer rate and charitable donation rate in the country. So we can do those separately. We can time together. I, I yeah. Either way, I mean, no shit to both of them, but yeah. Yeah, that is that is one thing I will say. Uh, Mormons are nice people, and generally quite helpful you know mm-hmm. um often with strings attached but um but they do they do help people but i do think the charitable donations is you know when you look deeper at that statistic you know that's i don't know if anybody's heard about this or not but the church has a lot of money <laughs> Did you, you heard it about that heavenly mother yeah, no, I was like trying to brush my little bangs down. I'm a decrepit at this point for anyone <laughs> listening. I'm, I'm in shambles. I will recover. Thoughts and prayers. Your, your prayers give me strength. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, with them being charitable, they're giving to church approved charities. And we know that the church mishandles their funds and you'll you'll donate to one thing as a member, but they'll use it on emission president's mcmansion like we we know that now so it just really makes me sad it like gives me the ick and then the lowest separation and divorce rate um that just concerns me because i think a lot of times divorce is the best thing for a family actually maybe i shouldn't say a lot of times but like a pretty even kilter like i think that staying in a marriage just for the sake of staying in a marriage isn't healthy um, and I think that a lot of devout Mormons do that. Um, and also there's certain cultural aspects we've touched on before, but like forgiveness culture and things like that. Um, misogyny in general. So you sort of excuse your husband's behavior because he's a man. Um, I don't know. So I, I actually, when I hear that, I know Mormons hear it and they're like, yeah, cause we're just so great at being married. But to me, I think like red flag concern, like that's what I, that's what I think of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I had a, a really good friend growing up um, and her mom would say all the time, you can make it work with anyone. And while I think that's true to an extent, like marriage is hard and you have to work, we, we have to work for it and, and it's not just all going to be easy, but making it work with just anyone, like marriage should be happy. You should be marrying someone that you love, that you find your best friend in. And anyways, and all of her kids have like my, my best friend, she's gone on to marry this guy who's, I just know he's not good for her. You know, I know that he's not, he's not abusive that I know of or, or mean to her in any way, but he just, their personalities are so different. She needs someone to make her laugh and he's not he's not that way and he's not very supportive of her and there's just things that I'm like but she's making it work right and so 
there's all these red flags and but they're they're never going to get divorced because she's just grown up thinking this is the way it is you marry someone once and that's the way to go and and a lot of times it works out great but in her case I'm like yeah, it's so much more than just like being with someone like you need to be happy with that person yeah you know so that one that one's really hard for me and then the volunteer rate and charitable donations I think that I think they're counting like church tithing in that mm-hmm. and then volunteer um my dad volunteers 12 hours of his week to go in church meetings right and so i you know i find that one a little messed up and and yeah. you know anyways so that is that is a big one i mean i look at how much time i spent doing church things every, mm-hmm. every day every week growing up and and you couldn't say no you know, like, yeah, I remember I've been, you know, in you know, in young men's, I, I had those cute little callings they give you. You're the teacher's quorum president and, and you feel powerful because you have more priesthood keys than anybody outside of the church. Right. Um, and certainly more than the women in the church. Um, then I was uh, like I, I was a primary teacher. I was. Uh, like gospel doctrine teacher. I taught in priesthood. I did uh, like financial clerk, not to mention all the time I spent going to seminary, going to church dances, going to um, other, you know, other parties that weren't put on by the church, but it was only for Mormon kids, right? Um, All the time that I spent doing those things and, and going to the temple, you know, what, what member of the church wouldn't count going to the temple as service, right? They, th- they see that as the, the highest degree of service. But I think, imagine if all of them went to a soup kitchen with those three hours and were so devoted. Like if the church was like, you need to make an effort to serve food to the hungry at least three hours every week. Could you imagine? Could you imagine like how much better the world would be if mm-hmm. if that was the directive rather than Hey, actually, go and sit in your white clothes that may or may not be comfortable for you, uh, but you'll get a comfy seat and the temperature's nice, and you'll watch this funny little video about Satan and Adam and Eve, and, you know, like, go and do that for three hours a week, and that's the best possible way to spend your time, right? That's the, that's a lot of the volunteering, right, and the service mm-hmm. that we're talking about here. Yeah. Amen. And I think, you know, if they, they, they just give their tithing and then they think, okay, I've done my charity for the year or whatever, you know, but what if, I mean, you, you guys have mentioned on the podcast, like going to Salt Lake and seeing the big homelessness problem that we have mm-hmm. in yeah. Salt Lake. Like what if instead of donating 10% to a church who does absolutely nothing with their money, except build more churches and build more temples. What if you donated 10% to the homeless shelter? Yeah. Or helped by, you know, go hand out supplies to them. Like how you could see a direct impact from donating, but just no one does it. And that's why we have so many of these issues, I think, is because people are, they're blindly donating and, and they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's not like they're trying to not donate things, but yeah. they're just 
putting in their donation and and walking away and instead of thinking about okay what is this actually doing for the community yeah. what is this actually going to accomplish because it it doesn't do anything and same with the volunteerism like yeah you're volunteering your time but it's it's kind of a waste you're just you know you're going to church to to teach people all these messed up things Literally. and it's not really volunteering to help anyone yeah yeah like at best at best it's nonsense right yeah like you spend all this time and all this effort and then you you know you you see people who need things and you see ads for other charities right and you just say oh well i did you know i donate through my church that's what i would always tell people when they were mm -hmm. like hey do you want to donate to such and such organization and i always said oh i i donate through my church you know like oh, i do my share i do my fill you don't need my money the church does you know, secretly yeah. taking it out of Canada through BYU as like some freaky money, money laundering operation. <sighs> Curse them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the last little bit of tea, I mentioned it kind of before a little bit, is if you do something charitable outside of the church structure, the church takes credit for it. So like, here's an example. So in the stake that my parents are from, some nice Mormons, legitimately nice people are sponsoring a Palestinian refugee family as they should. What's going on is horrendous. Mm -hmm. But the church is like, see, look at what our saints are doing. And it's like, they did this on their own volition. It wasn't you. Yeah. <laughs> but the church is like, see, see, see see look how good we are and it was like no this isn't what the church is doing this is Ill, in, individual families mm -hmm. are doing so hmm, we can move on i'm just my little fun thoughts because the church like won't just i'm like a mormon celebrity they're like see 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 we're good we're normal <laughs> yeah yeah that that reminded me of i um i had this experience where i posted something I was like 12. I posted something on Twitter or retweeted something that the church had put out. And this random guy from the internet responded. And we got in this art Twitter argument, which is so stupid. But he was like, he brought up the fact that um, the church, every time they go do service, they have their volunteers wear these like little vests mm -hmm. that say Mormon or Church of Jesus Christ on the back of it. And he was like, if your church does so much good and they like want to actually help the community why do they care like what their people wear? Like, why do they care if they have the vests on? Doesn't it just matter if they're doing the service? Like, why do they want people to see them? You know, if you're truly, you know, doing service and wanting, you know, following the example of Christ, like Christ didn't go around and, and say, Oh, this is, look what I'm doing. Look, you guys, like he just did it, you know? So if you're like trying to model this church after that example, you're doing it in, in totally the wrong way. And so, Anyways, that just reminded me of that. And I, I, until this year, did not understand why that man was so mad that they wear the vests. But yeah. now I understand. Isn't that crazy that, like, you you go through your life and the church is totally normal. And you're like, my goodness, people are so deceived. And then when you get out, all of these memories come flooding your back. And you're like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I, I had no idea. We call those people angels. <laughs> they were angels in disguise. They were sending us tender mercy. There are so many people I want to like go back through my life and just apologize to for being an ass. 
Like, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. I realize like the stuff I believed about Native Americans actually being Jews who came over, you know, 2,600 years ago. I, I, I realize that doesn't make any sense now. And I just, I just wanted to apologize and say the, you know, the nasty thing that I said to you, thinking that I was being some saint and standing up for truth and righteousness with my freaking armor of God. Uh, it, it was all nonsense. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I remember feeling like so powerful as a 12 year old sending those tweets out <laughs> no. to the world. Like I'm showing him I'm going to convert this guy to our church. And uh, yeah, if I could go back and find that guy, I would I would totally message him. Like, I'm so sorry. You don't remember me, but this happened 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's like a 12 step program. You know, like you have to acknowledge the problem and then and then you go and sort through your contacts and just apologize to everybody. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Well, that's all I had for those ones. I don't know if you guys had anything else, but we can move on if you guys. I'm excited to do the we can do the next two I'm really excited for, but the one underneath I'm crazy excited for. Okay. Order. So he he he. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this one, yeah, I, I thought this was super interesting. Um, so the Utah congressional delegation, they all opposed the Equality Act. I forgot to write down what year this was. This wasn't that long ago. I remember when this happened, but um, I'll just, the Equality Act, this is, this is the description that it gave. The, um, it prohibits discrimination based on sex, sexual orientation and gender identity in areas including public accommodations and facilities, education, federal funding, employment, housing, credit, and the jury system. Um, and I only saw that Mitt Romney gave an excuse for, for their, um, their voting, and they just said they didn't want it to affect their religious freedom. That's basically all he said. And I, I, I like, what does that mean? Like, how does this affect your ability to worship on Sunday to mm -hmm. like, you can still have your own beliefs, but anyways, so I just, I thought this one was super interesting. And, and the problem, you know, overall is that, you know, the church really, it sometimes does control the politics in Utah and the politics of the world. I mean, we had prop eight in California that happened and the church got involved in that. And you see this, you know, happen every once in a while where the church gets involved and their members go out and they, they rally and, in support or against something and and it makes an impact so yeah yeah the persecution complex is real uh i this kind of brings to mind i heard i don't know was this like on a freakonomics podcast or something but there was something about like the efficiency of of like pirate ships or something am i i might i don't know if i'm making this up or not i don't know i'm trying i'm trying to remember so take this with a grain of salt and look it up after the show people this show is poorly researched and uh, except for except for what elder sister is giving us today she has a lot of <laughs> articles but um the, there's this idea that like okay if you have a ship that is full of like one it's it's one uh group of people that are running this ship it's going to be really efficient. It's going to work well because everybody is like from the same background, right? Everybody's from the same group. Everybody's on the in, right? But then if you start adding, uh, you know, people from other backgrounds and other cultures with other languages to this ship, you're going to start to find like 
disagreements and some strife in there, right? But then if you have it where everybody on the ship is a minority, like there's no majority population on the ship, it works even more efficiently because you have all this diversity on there and no one group is overpowering the others. And so in Utah, you have this situation where there is one group overpowering the others. But then if you're not in the in-group, you see that they feel threatened by you, right? They think, oh, you're coming to take over. And so they're constantly using this, uh, this excuse of religious freedom, right? It's like, oh my goodness, a lesbian couple moved next door to me. And now like, now what, what are they going to do? They're going to take away my religious freedom. It's like, what? No, like the, <laughs> they're not knocking on your door, right? Like trying to convert you to lesbianism and, uh, and break up your marriage. They're living their life and you are welcome to live your life. But everything in Utah and a lot of the time looking into the states, a lot of the time it just looks like so many things come back to religious freedom and, and like these, these people are under attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Book banning. That's big, right? Mm-hmm. Book banning. Because it's like, mm-hmm. why are you making this book? And it's like, it goes against my whatever. Yeah. But I also see this as if you're fighting against the Equality Act, and I don't know, I think Elder Jackson and I have talked about this either on air or off air. The people at the top, the really smart empower Mormons, like empowered, they know that the structure is built on oppression and they're like mm-hmm. gung ho, cool beans with it. Yeah. This is an example of that to me. I think some members really don't have the critical thinking or the language knowledge to know, like, what does equality really mean? What does diversity really mean? But if you have, like, a general grasp of what it is, because, like I've said with Mary Magdalene before on air, equality is measurable. You can literally measure it. Like, Elder Sister got the stats that, like, and the specific laws. So I think a lot of lower-level Mormons that aren't at the top maybe can sort of brush it off mm-hmm. because they don't understand. But the people at the top, they know what they're doing and they know that their church structure is based on oppression and they want to be able to, they're, it's part of nepotism too. They want to have businesses where they only hire Mormon men. Mm-hmm. They want to have businesses where they don't have to, et cetera, so on and so forth, adhere to basic rules about discrimination. Um, yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, that reminded me, um, I used to, uh, when I worked for BYU, I used to interview politicians from around the world who were Mormon to see how their beliefs affected their decision-making in politics. And I had this one guy who conducted this survey, I think it was of the country, I don't think it was Utah-specific, but he would first ask members of the church, he would give this situation, okay, there's this child in the foster care system who's been waiting for a home for 10 years, and here comes this great couple. One of them's a doctor, one of them's a lawyer. They have this great house. They make a certain income. They have two other kids, and they're looking to expand their family. They really want to adopt this kid. Um, one of them is a preacher in their local church, like all of these fantastic things they give to charity. Um, they go on, you know, humanitarian trips once a year. And should this couple be allowed to adopt or foster this child? 
all 100%, almost 100% of the time, they said, absolutely, this couple should absolutely be able to adopt this child. They meet all the qualifications. Um, and then they went back and they said, okay, they gave the same situation, same scenario, but they added at the end, this is two men. It's a gay couple. And almost all of them said, oh, yeah, they shouldn't be allowed to adopt this child. It's like wh- this is the same exact situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you were saying, like, about the ship and everyone, you know, believing the same thing and, and like, oppressing, like, this is this is huge. It's, it's affecting, you know, it's affecting how they, they view families and stuff. Like, they would rather have a child sit in the foster care system their whole life then allow them to go to this incredible couple just because they're gay and because that somehow affects their their religious freedom and, and their right to practice religion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just crazy to me how, yeah, <laughs> I can't even process, but yeah. Well, and of course they see it as like, I'm being the hero. I'm keeping this child out of this hedon's family, right? Mm-hmm. Like. I'm giving them, I'm trying to make sure that they're given a life where they have the opportunity to accept the gospel. But if they're raised by a gay couple, that would make them too open to other lifestyles. And we can't yeah. have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it, it, yeah, it blows my mind. Crazy. Heavenly Mother. Boo. Boo. Boo on them. Boo. <laughs> like, literally, it's, it's so wrong, but. Yeah, and also, in my humble opinion, I think that LDS people in politics are overrepresented for our stats. If you look at something like per capita, we should have, in the United States, I think the number one religion is Catholic and the number one ethnic demographic in certain states. Like, here's an example, California. I think the number one religion is Catholic or no religion, and the number one demographic of people is Latino. So in California, <clears throat> per capita, you should have a bunch of Catholic Latinos in politics because they're, they represent the majority of people, if you want to go numbers like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that isn't the case, though, because just because you have a large number doesn't mean that they have political power. But with Mormons, it's like the reverse. Like, we don't have very many Mormons in this country or in the world. But then we're popping up where, wow, now not ex-Mormons, but regular old Mormons are popping up quite a lot in political situations and mm-hmm. spheres and high up. And you know, because you'd interview them when you were at BYU, like they're pretty overly represented in my opinion. Like Huge. get yeah. out of here. <laughs> There's too many they of totally you. Are. There's too many of you. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. I think we have in the United States, I think we have eight members of Congress who are members of the church. Which is crazy because it, it makes up like what one percent of of the population in the country, maybe two percent. At most, I don't know. yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Actually, well, yeah. it's it's less than five, I think. But it is, so it is. It a lot. shouldn't be eight members of Congress, is what? I, yeah, it should be like one or two. You know? No. Yeah, I concur. It is weird, and it is weird. I uh, I listened to the Mitt Romney book, the. A reckoning, Mitt Romney, uh, which was actually really good. I enjoy. I enjoyed a lot of things about it. It was an interesting peek into uh, American politics as well as Mitt Romney as a human being. Um, but it was it was really interesting listening to it because he mentioned in it, or the the author mentioned that 
uh, he would meet with the, you know, top brass of the church, right? Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of people, when Mitt Romney was running for president, they were like, well, now, like, really, the prophet is going to be the the person making the calling the shots right and i don't i don't think that would have been the case but uh at least not with mitt romney but that was like you know listening to the book and listening that like these people call him up and are like hey mitt uh what do you think about you know such and such and such what are you doing for this and what can we do here and it's like it's like they're talking right like there is a conversation there happening and so, yeah, that there is, I mean, people get mad that there are these massive, you know, multinational corporations who are pulling the, the strings of, of their elected leaders, right? People get mad about that. But then, oh, no, he's just consulting with his religious leader. I'm like, listen, listen, guys, like, they're they're kind of pushing in their direction as well. Like that's that's the bottom line. They're they're also lobbying. Yeah, I I could say so many things about that because um, I I work in this sphere. I work in government and politics. Right. Um. Yeah. I I see this all the time. I talk to a lot of rural Utah people, mm -hmm. um, as part of my job, and they all the time they're worried about big business and big corporation coming in, and they hate lobbyists, and mm -hmm. they do everything in their power not to to talk to the lobbyists and have them influence their representatives. But at the same time, right before the legislative session in Utah, the LDS Church hosts a dinner where they wine and dine all members of the House and the Senate. And, you know, I don't think they necessarily talk about politics, but it's there. It's a presence. It's saying, hey, we've got all this money. We're, we're doing a nice dinner for you right before session. Just keep us in mind this year. That's and like, crazy. that's it. That's all they have to do. And their decisions are made. Like all of the politicians from Utah that I interviewed were like, well, I just do whatever I feel is right based on my religious beliefs, which, you know, essentially I just do whatever the Mormon church tells me. Yeah. And so it's not like the the big corporations and the lobbyists that these people need to be worried. About. Like it should be the church, you know, but yeah. so backwards. Well, and the, and the church, ah! the, <laughs> the church is there being like, oh, no, no, we're not. We're not lobbying you guys. However, God did tell me that uh, <laughs> that if you vote for this, our religious freedoms will be in severe danger. So I'm I'm not telling you how to vote. That's your that's your freedom. That's your right. I'm not telling you how to vote, but God did tell me that. <laughs> so do with that what you will. Maybe burn in hell, but uh, just just <laughs> so you know. These are the consequences. Like, it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. It's also a tax write-off to host for dinner a senator. So the really? church writes that off on their taxes. Yeah, you can look that up. Isn't that crazy? I, I learned in elementary I, school. <laughs> I should host some senator dinners. <laughs> yeah, it's Get wild. And then it's even more of a tax write-off if you host them on a boat. Really? Yeah. Look, look at up. What is up with a boat? I know, because you're like you're rich enough to have a boat. I don't know. Gladys the Orca needs to take those down. But anyways, back to the task at hand. I loved everything that you said, Elder Sister. I was like, preach, facts. Yeah, I, I mean, I could talk about politics all day. But yeah, that's that's all I had for that one. So if you guys have anything else you wanted to add before we move on, 
could do that. I'm I'm ready to to move on. I'm also wondering if we should do a part two of this because Google Meets only lets us go for so long. Um, and so how, how do we feel about splitting it up, friends? Yeah. We can, and we can literally do that today. We can just start a new call. Oh, hey, nice. You know, That's and then nice. we'll tell, but we'll tell the audience. We'll tell the audience <laughs> that it's like, We're due. it's like part two me. next week. You know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Is, is that how we want to roll this? Yeah, and then not release part two. And then not <laughs> release part two. <laughs> or we can release part two first and then just like and not. Then just, yes. Shady oh. Just drop them in halfway. Great yeah. plan. Great plan. <laughs> I, I love this thought. Okay, well, uh, we're going to wrap it up there. As, as our special guest here and guest presenter, uh, do you want to give us a, a little low down a little wrap up and uh and then and then close for us elder sister sure yeah thanks thanks for listening thanks for having me on guys i i love i love doing this um you want me to close in the name of someone yeah okay um let's i mean we've been talking about Mitt romney so let's close in Mitt romney's name today just to honor <laughs> you know his legacy so, love that yeah in the name of Mitt romney amen amen <laughs>